Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Jerry Callahan from the Jerry Callahan Podcast, and I like the bills to knock off the Colts. Bet Online has free odds and lines available online or on your mobile device. Visit betonline.net today. Uncle Jill, Uncle Jill, there's no bad guy like Uncle Jill. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Figueredo, for me, has made the flyweights more interesting, right? Because that's not a skill issue. When we're talking about interesting, that's not a skill issue. Yes, he can punch and kick, and he can do the grappling. They all could. And it's also going to be very tough, if you're only basing it on skill, to ever compare anybody to Demetrius Johnson. I mean, those are some big shoes to fill. What did Demetrius defend that championship like 11 times? Finishing guys, get, getting arm bars on his way down to the ground. I mean, he was crazy. He looked like he was out of a video game. But to save the division doesn't mean you have to be as good as Demetrius Johnson. It means, are you interesting? And Figueredo's making things interesting. He, he's simple things. He just did a show with Ariel. They're indoors. He's wearing sunglasses and no shirt and demands that Ariel roll the camera down to take in his abs. It's silly. It's low-hanging fruit, right? He bleaches the hair. It's simple. This isn't the hardest gimmick to do, but it's still a gimmick, and it's still more than that division has or has ever had. And I'll also maintain for you, I don't know that Demetrius, I don't know that it was ever Demetrius's fault for the lack of attention, lack of draw, 225 pounds. It takes two. You need a partner. There's nothing Demetrius can do because he's in the driver's seat. He's going to be the marquee fighter. He's going to be the main event, and he's going to be for a world championship because he's bringing it. Who's going to sit in the passenger seat? And that was something that 125 pounds was just missing, and it was all the other guy's fault, all of them, for not being interesting. They wanted, they, they wanted to out-nice the nicest guy in the sport who, by the way, is guaranteed the spot. So, not a lot of eyeballs paid attention to the division. Now you have Figueredo. Figueredo's a bad guy. He's missing weight and not apologizing. He's bleaching his hair. He's wearing velvet shirts. Showing up for interviews indoors without a shirt on, demanding you scroll down. I mean, there's just something there. It's something different. And if the guys at 125 pounds are going to remain as vanilla and boring as they have for the last decade, great. Now there's actually a spot for them. Now there's actually a time where that can work. Because you got the heel driving the car. I just think he's made things more interesting. I think he's doing a really good job. From a marketing standpoint, he does not speak English. And it's not a matter that his English is bad. He doesn't speak it. I don't know if he's working on that. I don't know. I can tell you at the American top team, head coach Conan Silvera, Coach Conan makes his athletes, because he brings a lot in from Brazil, brings them over. He makes them take English twice a week. You got to work on your boxing twice a week. You got to get in the, the weight room and the conditioning twice a week. You got to spar twice. A, oh, by the way, required. You have to take English twice a week. Brings in, just like a classroom, brings in tutors, sits them down, blackboard behind them, handouts, lessons. It's, it's a very real thing. But it does, it does have to do with the marketing. And I only bring that to you. Not to be insensitive and say, oh, this guy doesn't speak English. No, not to do that at all. I, I feel like Figueredo's right on top of something very special. I feel like he's really got a hold of the right tool, and maybe by the wrong end. But even in his interview with Ariel that had to be subtitled, the mere fact that he's got no T-shirt on indoors while wearing sunglasses and forces the camera to, to pan down to take in his abs, there's just something there. I mean, there's something there that hasn't been done at 125 pounds. What would be the ideal spot for him? What would be the ideal thing to do? When you think of 125 pounds, there's three guys. Joey B, 
Demetrius, Henry. Those guys have all left. And he, while Joseph is still there, he's had that opportunity not once, not, but twice. So he's not coming back in the rotation. So who do you go to? Who do you go to? Ideal situation, I, I suppose, Henry. Henry comes back. Henry takes on Figueredo. But I don't know that there's any likelihood. And why I still am weak on the whole Henry's retired and this is for life routine. I don't know that I'm right. I don't know that he is coming back. I am very confident telling you if he came back, it is not going to be at 125 pounds. There's a reason he left 125 pounds in the first place, which is he didn't want to make 125 pounds anymore. And he's also showed an interest in coming back, but going up all, all the way to 45 and taking on Volkanovsky and trying to do the champ, champ, champ thing. So I just don't know that there's any likelihood to hang in your hat on the idea that someday Henry's going to come in and Henry and Figueredo are going to get this figured out. I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. So I, I'm back to asking you, well, what? And there's some interesting characters at 125 pounds. Each division's different. They all kind of operate on their own. And 125 pounds has not operated in a great place. From I'm talking about draw. I'm talking about interest. Their skills are phenomenal. Wonderful fighters down there. I'm talking about why, why, why is there not an interest? And so now that you've never had a heel, you know have a heel. Oh, and by the way, he's driving the car. He's going to bring the belt. It opens it up for some of the other faces. But one thing, another thing 125 pounds doesn't do is they don't have a lot of guys screaming and shouting that they should be the number one contender. Never did. For whatever reason. There just appears to be some real opportunity at 125 right now. I would hope that somebody will recognize it. I'll hope that somebody will seize on it. Figueredo's looking for something to do, and I think he's going to end up doing it pretty well. Again, I'm going by 125-pound standards. I'm not putting him in there with some of the, the greats. The, the, I'm not putting him in there with the Connors and the Tonys of the world, of the George Mosvidals. But for 125, I think it's new. I think it's refreshing. I think that he's going to keep that division around. Now I want to see who wants, for one night only, under the unified rules, to be his partner. Oh, I got to talk to you guys about the bullet. The bullet is so interesting to me. And, I mean, even if you want to just talk the X's and O's, the most boring part about this sport is the punches and the kicks. If you want to talk a little bit of that, her story is compelling in many ways. Starting with the fact that she came over as a kickboxer. A decorated and skilled, but kickboxer. We have not seen very many kickboxers over the history of the sport dating back to 1993 that have converted and gone very far. It was shocking news when Maurice Smith did it. It never happened again, ever. And now all of a sudden you've got Adesanya that comes over from the kickboxing world and you've got the bullet. Oh, and by the way, they're both world champions. I mean, the sport is changing. And when you do look at the bullet, if you take for granted at all because you read her resume that you're going to go and see a kickboxer with a little bit of sprawling defense, you're wrong. Go see the fight with Jessica I just by example. Yes, we saw the kickboxing, but go watch the very end of the first round. I mean, this was his picture perfect of groundwork. And not just the arm bar. How she got to the ground, how she passed guard, how she manipulated, set that up, and then swung into it. I mean, th this is a very high-level athlete. And then you have to look at the mindset. Because her mindset, is, it doesn't work like everyone else. You become champion of the world. There's not very many tough champions out there. There's just not. They were tough to get there, and then they hide. They don't want to put it on the line. They don't want anything that could possibly ruin their next photo shoot where they don't have that 12-pound gold belt over their shoulder. So they try to find the easy match. It's just, just the way that it goes. We've seen it from the beginning of time, but the bullet seems to be the other side of that coin. She is actively pursuing a fight with Amanda. She's asking for the fight. She's trying to sell why she should get that fight. First off, that means that she goes in without the championship because it would be contested at 135. And when she used to be at 135, she openly admitted, okay, fine, I'm going to give up some size here, but I'm going to make up for it in experience. Okay, she now wants to fight Amanda. I don't know that she's going to get that fight, and I should also remind you it's not just talk because she's fought Amanda. Oh, and that wasn't just talk because she went out and fought Amanda again. She just doesn't agree with the decision. Thinks she, she thinks she won that second fight. And the judges got it wrong and she's willing to put it all on the line and run it back a third time. I'm just, this is a mindset. 
This is somebody who is not scared of competition and wants to use the politics of the industry to do their best to elongate their championship run. This is somebody who wants to do the opposite. She wants to find the deepest end of the pool and jump into it head first. It's very interesting. There was a time, and this was only about a year and a half ago, two years ago, there was a rumor going around the internet that the bullet was actually a government operative. And the reason is not only is she great in hand-to-hand combat, she's also trained in weapons through the military, and she speaks seven languages. Like the only explanation that the, the kids on the underground had, the only explanation that the world had for somebody that would have that rare of a skill set, hand-to-hand expert, weapons expert, master of seven different languages, was government operative. I don't bring that to you because there's any realness to it. I bring that to you because that's how legends are made. It's just usually long after somebody's life is over. You're witnessing something very special here. You really are. The the bullet is very special. And she wants to get to Amanda. I don't know if she's ever going to get there or not. I don't know what the appetite over there is to UFC to make that match. But I will tell you, if she wants to keep that dream alive, She's got to get through Saturday night. So what's going on with Chandler and Tony Ferguson? Legit question. You have an answer. Fill me in. But I'm pretty good at this stuff. I mean, I study this stuff all the time. I talk to people in the know all the time. I don't know what's going on here. Okay. So I'm on the road. I'm coming to you guys from a hotel. I'm out at Bellator. Been here for a month. My final week, I got three days left. I share this with you because just before I came out here, so a month ago, That'll be my timetable. A month ago, Chandler had just signed with the UFC, was looking to be the backup position for Khabib versus Gaethje. Gets licensed, goes to Fight Island, does the whole thing, and then there's talk from Chandler's side that they want to fight Tony Ferguson, but that Ferguson is not interested in that. Nobody ever took this to Tony. We never heard Tony's side. We just heard that said. Generally in this sport, at least psychologically, when one side makes a claim and the other side does not shoot it down, we then accept it as the truth. Now, there was also a number of rumors. Again, none asked to Tony straight up. Never got Tony's side. Number of rumors came out of saying, well, you know, Tony doesn't want to do that. Tony's a top guy. Tony's got a world title. Chandler hasn't been in the UFC before. You know, it's a hard fight, it's a dangerous fight, but it's not as meaningful of a fight because Chandler hasn't debuted. I accepted it. Yeah, I I guess. I mean, I guess those are, it doesn't really sound like the Tony I know, but I, I guess I'm hearing these things, I guess I believe them. Okay, but that was a month ago. Let me bring you to this morning. This morning, Tony is the one calling out Chandler. Flat out, period, no way around it, hard stop. Went on Twitter said either sign the contract or let's move on. I'm done waiting for you. And tagged Chandler in it. And now Chandler is saying nothing. Right? The exact same thing that happened a month ago, except they reversed roles. Team Chandler made a statement. Ferguson never said it wasn't true. Now Ferguson's making the same, and Chandler is saying nothing. I'm just wondering why. Because for me, that fight makes a ton of sense. It makes a lot of sense, and you also have the moving parts of that division, which is that Khabib is out. And you can hang your hat on the argument of, well, he hasn't pulled out of the pool yet, and you know, they kept the belt around him, and we still think he might come back. Uh, fine, I agree with you. I'll drink to all of those things. I'm just sharing with you. My statement is also true that he's out. We don't know how that sentence is going to end. Is he out, comma, forever? Is he out, comma, for today? I don't know. But he's out of the equation. So you have Connor Poirier coming up. It would just seem as though Chandler versus Ferguson solve so many problems, particularly long, possibly long-term problems, if Khabib, in fact, doesn't come back. If Khabib doesn't come back, even for a year, we've got to get on with it, even if that just means an interim championship. So now you start to have Ferguson Chandler, boom, one side of the bracket. Connor Poirier, boom, other side of the bracket. Winner versus winner. Whether that's for the undisputed title or the interim title, I'm actually digressing. None of that is my point. My point is, from a month ago, when I left on this journey I'm on, Till this morning, two athletes got up and switched seats. Team Chandler, who was calling out Tony, Tony not responding to. Tony calling out publicly Team Chandler and them not responding. And I would just like to know what's going on because I love the match. And I don't like the idea that Tony would be left out. 
I have felt in a couple of ways as though Tony Ferguson has been left out as of late. I don't like that. I don't like that, particularly after everything that he went through, getting ready for a fight, accepting a short notice, last minute replacement fighter, following through on his word to make way. Remember, remember the double weigh-ins by Tony? Remember how so many, so many of us have questioned that after the fact because of the, re, the result of Tony's contest with Gaethje? But at the time that it happened, he was a hero. We thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And you know what? It was. It was the coolest thing in the world. It was also the only thing that we had in the sport at that time. There was no matches. There was no weigh-ins. There was no face-offs. There was no press conferences. All we had was the journey that Tony was on, and he brought us all along. Where's the appreciation for that? Jan Blahovich came out, and he was talking about Israel Adesanya, about his upcoming fight with him, and basically saying, hey, Izzy doesn't know what he's getting in for here. When you change weight classes, everything's different. Your timing's different. Your speed is different. Your cardio is different. The power that you're going to absorb is different. He followed that up by saying, I have been in this category my entire career. So I know everything there is to know about this category. Okay, hard stop. Three takeaways. First off, love that Blahovich is so willing to do this. Love that Blahovich is anything but a closet champion. Wins the belt. Ready to take on anybody. He was ready to take on Jones, Cormier, and now he's got the style bender. And he was saying yes to all three of them. Full respect to Blahovich. Second thought, to use his own words, I have been in this category my entire life. I know everything about the category. If he's been in the category, how the hell would he know what it's like to change categories? How could he come in and say that things are different? The power, the size, the cardio, the speed, the timing. If he then says, I've actually never done that. Now, even as I say that, I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm not saying he's wrong. And he does have a little bit of experience. He was on the right side of things, but he does have a little bit of experience when he took on Luke Rockhold. When Luke Luke moved up, future Hall of Famer, former world middleweight champion, I think that Luke had some of those experiences that Blahovich is saying you're going to have when you make this this jump. So I'm not offering for you that Blahovich is wrong. I am asking where he's getting that opinion. And I would finish it off with this on number three, which is when you change weight classes and you attempt to then change your physiology to fit within the weight class, that's where the statement that Blahovich is making has very much historically been correct. Very much so. And I can't remember this as a kid to personalize it, but I think you guys will be able to rate, relate with this. Whatever sport you did, it, any sport, basketball, soccer, whatever it was, you'd have those summer breaks as a kid, then you'd return to school, and that's where you were doing your sports at. Seven, eight, nine weeks off, you return to school. You were out there doing the same game that you left and you were really good at, and now you're terrible. You're falling over your own feet. You don't know what's going on. Well, that's because at that age, you'd grow two inches, three inches. You'd put on 10 pounds, you'd put on 12 pounds. So you had to reset your entire body. So I think we all do have that memory, which does tie in and support the premise of the statement that the champion Blahovich is making. I bring it to you because Adesanya has informed us he's not going to try to fulfill the weight class. Said he's not going to try to put on any size any strength, he's not going to change anything. He's going to weigh when he weighs at middleweight and just happen to compete in a heavier category. I think it's relevant because I think Blahovich brings up an excellent, excellent argument, which has historical reason and facts to support it. Izzy's the one throwing a wrench in this whole thing by not looking at it and going, okay, I'm, I'm nine pounds under the weight. I'm going to go gain as many of those nine pounds as I can. I'm going to make it in muscle and not in fat. I mean, all of these things that you would just do logically, Izzy's not going to do. It's very hard to argue with a guy who's an undefeated champion of the world, two and a half to one favorite, current time, lines in Vegas, two and a half to one favorite to go and become a sitting reigning champ champ of the world. It's very hard to argue with him. Izzy's going to throw a wrench in this. And if he does, if Izzy does in fact get in there weighing the same thing that he weighs at middleweight, a lot of those discrepancies that Jan had are going to end up being advantages. The speed will be greater for Izzy. 
Izzy will get to the target easier and faster. The cardio will hold up for Izzy. That's just basic logic. The bigger guy is going to get tired faster. I don't know how that whole thing plays out. I think Blahovich is spot on with his assessment. I think that Izzy is looking to hijack this whole system. You're listening to You're Welcome with Chael Sonnen. You own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you want to know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around the home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Now, back to your welcome with Chael Sonnen. Am I the only one looking forward to Tyson versus Jones? I don't feel like I am, but I also don't feel like the buzz on this is is what it should be. And these guys have done a couple of interviews that are pretty lowbrow. I mean, as far as a press conference goes, in the middle of a pandemic where you're doing it by Zoom and not even in the same room, they're pretty lowbrow. And you know what? Their numbers are great. I saw one of these. It was all of them on there. I think Errol was even the, the mediator. Hey, Mike, what do you think of this? Hey, Roy, what do you think about this? And it wasn't your classic boxing blah, 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 in your face. Oh, here, keep them apart. They're going to face off. All oh, these guys are crazy. It was none of those things, but it did like 800,000 views. So I don't think I'm the only one that's interested in this. And I do think that we should all get up to speed on a couple of things. First off, the fight's only 10 days away. And there was a rumor that it was going to be a glorified sparring session that even had to be billed as an exhibition in the state of California that it would be four rounds and they would both be in headgear. That was true. At one point, that was true because both fighters came out and said, well, we're going to fight. It's a full-on fight. I don't know anything about this exhibition business, but it's going to be shorter rounds and we got to have the headgear on because California says we do, but we're going to fight. Somewhere, I haven't really heard the word exhibition lately. They're not fighting four rounds. They're fighting eight rounds, and there is no headgear. So what changed and what changed it? Just accept the story as it is. I don't, a little bit hard to follow when all you've got is a, a link online to a Zoom interview, but I am right when I tell you this. They're not wearing headgear. The word exhibition isn't being used, and it's not four rounds. It's eight, which is very relevant. Four would be way more appropriate, right? Four would, four would just make more sense. But okay, fine. They're going to do eight rounds. Whatever. California came out and said, this is sparring. They used some other word. It was an exhibition, but they didn't use the word fight either. They said, our commission officials will be there and we will step in. If this ever looks like a fight, if one guy goes down, if anything here does not look right, we're going to stop this fight. Now the fighters came out and said, then be ready to stop the fight because we're going to go fight. There is nothing about this that is sparred, that is glorified, that is for fun or is an exhibition. There's no headgear. There's eight rounds. We're not going to see all eight of them. Somebody's going down. I don't know what the truth is. I don't really care. Do you? Just enjoy the story. Story's all you got. What do you think? You think this is good? You think this is good? No, the story's all that we got. Give a damn about the jab and the cross. I think it is relevant if, if you're selling a retail product that you do explain to your consumers what it is they're buying. Otherwise, that's fraud. They're telling us we're buying a fight. I'm expecting a fight. And you know what? I think we're going to get one. And you know what else? I can't wait. So Connor and Dustin Poirier is official. My goodness, in recent memory, has any fight announcement that was announced a month ago and we all knew was announced and a date was set specifically for this fight and was done publicly through social media ever drug on so goddamn long? Connor and Poirier are going to fight. How am I breaking that to you today? When they broke it to us a month ago. It might have been six weeks ago. This was an unintentional marketing home run. (laughs) You get to make one fight announcement. One time. It's like getting engaged to a girl. You don't get to then ask her again the next week and the next week and the the, the one after that and then have a party each time and then have all of your friends show up and send you gifts each time. You get one. 
You get one fight announcement. This thing got strung on forever. And the final conclusion is that it's same, same. From the first time we talked about this a month to a month and a half ago to today, nothing has changed. Not the weight class, not the rules, not the date, not the money, not what the fight is for. Nothing has changed. But we have the announcement yet again. And here I am falling for I'm falling for it too. You got me. I will tell you, how does this all tie into Khabib? I mean, if this is going to be the official, the final, the 10th fight announcement that these guys are going to fight January 23rd and the unified rules in a main event at 155 pounds, if we're doing all of those things today, would also be the appropriate today to say, oh, and by the way, it's going to be for the championship. Now, that can happen at any point. I'm sharing with you, historically speaking, today would be the day when that cherry would be put on top of that Sunday, and it wasn't. And so, so how long does Khabib have? Several people have hedged Khabib's retirement statement. None of those people are named Khabib. Khabib has not blinked. He has not flinched. This is publicly, and I'm only as good as the public information. I've never called Khabib and just asked. I took him at his word when he said it. But I've watched him tell a lot of other people, too. He hasn't flinched, but he did stay in the pool, and he would be given a period of time anyway. Right? I mean, he, he'd be given a period of time. Do you guys remember when St. Pierre did this at 185 pounds? St. Pierre pulled one of the coolest moves ever, which was he grabbed the belt, and he kept that thing like four days, a week at most. He had a right to keep that 12 months. He had a right to go and leverage sponsors against that, seminars, book deals, he had the right to go on the media tour, keep that thing over his shoulder, do all the artwork, the print work, get all this digital. I mean, he had every right to keep that belt and then turn a fight down for whatever reason. Claim he was hurt. Say he didn't feel good for a year before that would have been taken off him. He didn't do it, and not to serve himself, he didn't do it because he didn't want to jam up the guys in the back that all had goals and were working to try to get to something that he also worked for and happened to achieve getting. He wanted to pay it forward. He wanted to make sure somebody else was given the opportunity, and he didn't hold that thing up. And St. Pierre got a lot of credit for it once it was explained to the audience what he just did and how cool it was. Right At first, the headline, oh, St. Pierre grabs the belt and he walks away. What a, what a dick move. No, you're looking at this wrong. St. Pierre looked out for, for everybody, including himself. He had a goal himself. And then he looked out for everyone else and made sure the business got on with it. I bring that to you because I believe Khabib tried to do the same thing. Khabib had every right to keep that thing for 12 months, but he would have screwed up everybody else. Instead, he goes, I've had it. It's enough. Get on with it. You've already got Poirier and Dustin signed. He actually said that. He actually said those words. Put the belt over there. So I only bring that to you because Khabib's hands are clean in this. And if, if somebody else thinks they've talked to Khabib and they've got some information that we're not privy to, the time I'm coming to you guys, uh, that's fine too. Nobody's doing anything wrong, but just make sure Khabib gets the credit for trying to do things right. And it does lend to the question of just how much time does he have before we do get on with it? I mean, th- this whole Poirier-Connor uh, fiasco, this isn't going to go down until the 23rd of January. Dana could come out on the morning of the 23rd and declare it's for the championship. He does not need commission approval. That is his championship. He can do what he wants with it. I only bring that to you because things could change between now and then. But let's just say they don't. Let's say things don't change. Khabib, they do not officially strip him or accept the vacancy of the belt. Let's say they don't. But let's also say that Khabib does not sign any other fight between now and then. If he hasn't even signed the fight, you then have the fight announcement. You have some press for the fight. Then you've got your 10, 11 weeks of training camp until the fight happens. I mean, how far are you going to kick this can down the road? And if you do kick the can down the road... With what match do you then make the championship match? I mean, if it isn't Conor McGregor, who's got so many world championships, he forgot about one of them. It's not Dustin Poirier, who was just the champion of the division. Who's it going to be? What are you going to do? It looks as though Chandler and Tony are going to get in there. When? When are they going to do it? Are they going to be the co-main on the January 23rd card? That's what I would hope for. If you want to know what Chael wants, what, 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 if Chael gets his way on this one, yeah, I'd put him as the co-main event. Anything happen in either one of those fights, you got all the four right guys there. 
you got them signed up, you got them trained up, you got the commission on board. I, that's, that's what I would like to see. And I would also like to see if we don't have some resolution to Khabib that those guys move forward, even if you want to call it an interim championship. I'm talking about the winners, but you move them forward and have them compete. I would not like to see the belt held up, and I don't know, and nobody else does either. Dana agrees with me. He doesn't want the belt held up either, but you don't want to take the belt off Khabib if Khabib's not done. Imagine how that's going to work. Then what's Khabib's next fight for, right? You have the best guy in the division who's never lost, and now he's just floating around the division. He's just one of the guys. I mean, that's problematic. Khabib's getting the best guys in the world out of there in five, six, eight minutes. You can't go stick him with number nine. It would not be safe. I mean, you see the problem. Like, there's just a lot of moving parts. And every time we seem to get a little bit of resolution, we get left with more questions. I'm questioning how today I'm telling you that Connor versus Poirier are going to fight January 23rd when the first time I told you Connor versus Poirier was going to happen January 23rd was 32 days ago. Am I going to have to tell you this again next week? I mean, brevity was not on the side, okay? If my wife could stretch a dollar the way they have stretched this fight announcement, I wouldn't need to get in there anymore. John Jones put out a video, and he's lifting some kind of a weight. I couldn't tell if he was getting ready to do a squat. He was on like a squat rack or deadlifts. He does a lot of deadlifts. And 240 pounds and says he should be ready to fight in the next couple of months, make his heavyweight debut. Okay. Can he debut at heavyweight in the next couple of months? That would be one question. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not against it. We've just been told that when he moves to heavyweight, he will get an instant title shot. And the heavyweight title fight, which is next, which is Stipe versus Francis, is looking like March. So John would have nobody to fight unless he's not going to fight for the championship. And John's never said it has to be a championship match. Never. That was said for John that it would be or that he would qualify. I only bring that to you because I like John as a contender. I would never argue with him being in a championship match. I just think there's a couple of fights at heavyweight that could be interesting, but it would require a contendership. Right? Of course, we'd like to see him in Stipe, by example. Of course. But there's some other matches you'd like to see him do. Volkov got called out specifically by uh, Anthony Smith. Said, I, I think that's a hard fight for John stylistically because of the reach, because of the range, because of the stand-up fighting. I think Curtis Blades would be fun, personally. I think Curtis Blades would be very fun. So I only bring that to you because if, if, if all these things happen at once, right? And that's why a fighter always thinks they have some kind of control, but it's also why they can't have control. You just can't control when the opportunity is going to come, which is where the message, always be ready, come, comes into mind. But John's saying, I, I need a few months. I'm looking at go, eh. Even if you're ready in a few months, it, it doesn't look as though those dates are going to line up unless something's about to happen between Francis and Stipe that we've yet to be revealed. Now, I think you chalk that one up to John just making a statement. It doesn't have to be factually correct or well thought out, and maybe I overthought it. I would have another question, though, that I would be very interested in, which if he weighs 240 pounds, how did he get that way? There was a piece that I took in on YouTube with Coach Greg, uh, professional, I don't know what they call it, IBF. You get paid professionally to walk on stage in almost no clothes and flex your muscles. One of those guys. And he said, man, there's not a physiologist out there. There's not anybody in the history of powerlifting or dieting that could explain how John Jones weighs 240 pounds and looks like that in three months. And I would tell you as I lifted weights my whole life, might be the only exercise that I enjoy. The only one that I would actually look forward to going to, the rest I just did out of discipline. But I like to lift weights. And boy, gaining weight is as hard as, as losing weight. In some ways harder. My senior year of high school, I wrestled at a weight class, 185 pounds, but I weighed 173 pounds. And I chose 185, which is sure I was going to lift all this weight. So there was something out there called Insure. Insure still on the market today, but it, it, was, it was new then. Comes in a little bottle, you pull the cap off, you drink. You're supposed to get all these minerals and vitamins and, and proteins. And, and I will tell you, particularly at that time in my life, I went into GNC. 
I bought everything they've ever had at some point in my life on the off chance that it would work. It never did. But oh my goodness, the protein shakes and how much you had to drink. And my mother used to make pancakes and she'd take this big, it was like a bucket. It, it had a handle on it, but it was this great big, I mean, it can, massive amounts of, you could put five gallons in this thing. And that's what she'd put the batter in and she'd mix it and the whole family come over biggest stirring pot that we had. I used to have to make my daily amount of protein in that. And then you had to drink it each day with the hope of looking like the guy on the cover. I only bring this to you because this is over half of my life ago. It still makes my stomach sick. I still remember that uncomfortableness and the pain. So 173 pounds, trying to get to 185, eating as much as I possibly could, lifting like a maniac. The state tournament rolled around, and I weighed 173 pounds. I did not gain a single pound. It's calories in to calories out. So if you're training two and three times a day, there's only so much food that you can eat to ever make sure that more calories are coming in. Now, John does not train very hard. His teammates and his coaches will tell we don't see John. He doesn't, he doesn't work out very much. So, okay, he might have an advantage with the calories at that point. But even picking up something heavy and putting it down for three months, there's no amount of food that you can eat. This is according to the coach on the internet. I'm paraphrasing him, but I'm also sharing. I've studied this my entire life. I've written books on this very topic. You cannot gain that kind of weight only in muscle. Your body would gain weight in every possible way. Put on water weight. It would put on fat. It would put on some muscle. You then have to trim that down and hope that you had more muscle than fat. It's one of those things. It simply can't be done. But John put on 15 pounds of absolute steel. That can't be done, according to physiology. John will be the first human in the history of the species to gain 15 pounds of muscle by doing deadlifts in his garage a couple times a day for three months. Before any of you think I'm also now coming out and trying to hint a sign that that John is back on the gas, he's still in the pool. So physiology says you cannot gain 15 pounds of steel in 90 days, no matter what you're doing, even if you have a poor work ethic like John. Set that aside. Let's say he worked out hard. Physiology says you can't do it. He's not taking the, he's not on the gas. He's not. He's in the pool. He's falling straight. You've got the caveat unless he learned something new. And there's a lot of guys that learned something new, right? The eye test when USADA got involved versus the eye test today doesn't pan out. And USADA knows that and USADA agrees with me on that. But that's not the way it works. The science has to catch up. And I'm really not suggesting for you, even in a backhanded way, that John's back to his old tricks. I'm not. Moreover, he's just a very special athlete. It, it would be the first time in the history of the human species that a guy could deadlift a few times in his garage and gain 15 pounds of muscle in 90 days. But it's also very interesting because the biggest fight out there and the one that a lot of pieces are getting put into motion to make happen is John Jones versus Izzy at 205 for the world championship. So John's pulling one way and then he's got to come back down. Man, it's, it's just, it's one of these things that's very baffling and confusing. Oh, and by the way, I should say in full disclosure, I'm only as good as the information that's put out. That information was put out by John. I don't have any proof that he weighs 240. I mean, he, this, this could be a whole thing, right? John broke up rioters. John had a home intruder. John is squatting a thousand pounds and weighs 240. I mean, he just, he says things. It's the internet. You, you say things. You can be a 6'5 man or a 5'6 woman. You can do whatever you want on the internet. Elvis Presley's still alive and so is JFK Jr. I mean, it's one of those things. But if we are to look at the information that's given us, this is odd. At best, this is odd. This is the first time in the, the history of the world. At best. At best. Guy gained 15 pounds hitting deadlifts without a t-shirt on in his garage a couple of times a week in three months. That is fiction. <laughs> You're listening to You're Welcome with Jail Sonnen. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Guys, do you need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yes, free. No subscription. No fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge watch. You're going to binge shows. You're going to be up to speed on the latest news. You're going to catch live sports, comedy, and more. 
What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free. Now back to your welcome with Chael Sonnen. Here's a topic going around. Wonder Boy even weighed in on this. And Wonder Boy made a real simple comment, and I only read the headline. And full disclosure. But he said the UFC is trying to push Chemayev to fill the void left by Khabib. And I know a lot of people would have thought that. I've, I've been in discussions. We've been away from you guys. I've been in discussions about that. I just don't know that I agree. When you're talking about the void left by Khabib, Khabib represents the most famous... Muslim athlete on the earth, any sport, any sport, not the most famous UFC Muslim athlete, the most famous Muslim athlete in the world. If you go to his social media, I think you would be blown away just by example. If you just need to look at a good hard number. I think you would be blown away of the support that this guy gets. I only offer for you. Do you need to build up Chemayev to continue to service that region, that part of the world, Dagestan? For example, boy, there's a whole lot of guys from Dagestan. There's a whole lot of Russian fighters on the contract. I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, I don't know that I see that and that it would mean to be Chemayev. And by the way, I don't see where the push for Chemayev ever came from. Chemayev stumbled into something and turned, I mean, right, the only thing you're ever going to get in this business is an opportunity. That's it. That's the only thing that will be given to you. But Chemayev took that opportunity. He looked absolutely fantastic. They needed a fight. Nine days later, which represented a weigh-in eight days later, at a a weight class below him, he said, I'm here, I'm in Abu Dhabi, I'm licensed, and I'll do it. And then he did. He got out of two different fights, nine days separated. Neither one of them ever saw a full round of completion. Boom, he's on the scene. That was a cool move. That was a cool and interesting move. He's interesting. Comes to Vegas. Goes back up to middleweight. Also doesn't get out of the first round, but this time he's taking on a striker, right? M3 is a striker, and he was able to catch the striker and put him down. I think it was 22 seconds with one shot, like a leaping hook puts him down. I mean, boom, he's just on the sea. It's just the way it went. I don't see where the push for him came from. I saw a push back towards him where guys were trying to alienate him not giving him opportunities because he didn't have a ranking next to his name. Now, all of a sudden, Dana's moving up the card, moving up the rank. And that's the way it works, right? The number 10 guy says, no, you don't go to the number 11 guy. You go to the number nine guy. The number nine guy, you got to take him at his word. If he says, look, Dana, I'm nine in the world and I don't have the balls to do this. Okay, great. Then I got to go to somebody with more balls. Let me call the number seven guy. That's the way that works. Number eight doesn't say no. So you call number 12. Okay, you're not tough enough to do it. Let me find a guy less tough than you. Consensusly less tough than you. Number 12 says no. Okay, let me find a guy even less tough than you. Let me call number 16. It doesn't work that way. You go the other way. Talk about Chemayev got pushed. I saw Chemayev get resisted. So you got to start calling the other way. And they were running out of options. All of a sudden, the tough guys left town. So you end up with Leon, who's a main event fighter himself happens to be ranked number three in the world, boom, you got to stick this on top of the bill. In addition, it was getting media, it was getting attention, he's captivated people's curiosities. A main event guy. I don't know that I would agree that he has been pushed. I also don't know that I would agree that there is a void left, geographically speaking. I'm speaking to a specific region, but that's what you're speaking about when you're talking about a void left by Khabib. Talking about a sport that's beginning to flourish in a certain area, headlined by Khabib, we've got to replace people. I'm only saying to you, we got there's a whole bunch of guys. Khabib's got a whole bunch of teammates trained by Khabib's father, and I imagine will now be trained by Khabib. I just don't know that I'm buying that it has to be Chemayev, or that anybody is foreshadowing that it's going to be Chemayev. Islam comes to mind. I don't know if Islam's been beat. At one time, I thought he was uh, 15 and 0. And then somewhere I looked and I thought I saw he was 15-1. and one. The mere fact that I don't know if he's ever been beat speaks to how incredible he is, his record is, and how ever long ago it was when he did stub his toe. I only bring that to you because would Chemiah fit that bill? Yes, he would. But the way the story is being told is as though he has been handpicked to fill a void of which 
nobody even knew was going to exist. The timeline just doesn't match up. The idea that Chemayev is getting favors done for him to fill a hole by... The Chemayev at bus had left the station before Khabib said, say la vie. And as far as a push, man, I've seen a lot of people trying to hold Chemayev down. He's breaking through it. It's just, it's one perspective. I don't think that Wonder Boy is wrong. I just don't know that Wonder Boy is right in that this was a premeditated, predetermined strategy. It feels as though many pieces were just falling and then they happen to come into place. Food for thought. Love to hear what you think. What is going on with the Diaz boys? We have conflicting pieces of evidence. Here, let me give you an example. Nate Diaz has had his moment in the sun in this sport, without question. But boy, that sun was never shining brighter than when he left. And I'm talking about he left, right? He comes back, he takes on Pettis. Oh my goodness, they had to open up seats. This thing was so big. It, I was at the weigh-in for that. The heavyweight championship of the world was going to be contested. He was in a co-main event spot, but pretty close to home. That weigh-in went insane. That arena went insane. Nobody got the response of Nate, including the heavyweight championship, which ended in an upset with a new champion. I mean, it got, look, it got its buzz. I'm just telling you, it did not get what Nate got. Nate parlays that into an interview that lands him in a BMF title fight in the Mecca, Madison Square Garden. It's a big deal. And when he left that night at Madison Square Garden, he had a lot of people that were very upset because they did not like how that fight was stopped. They didn't like how that ending of that fight came, and they wanted to see the rematch, and the rematch started to get talked about. It started to gain some real buzz, and it just went away. It just went away. And when the talk of the rematch went away, Nate went away with it. Now, this is kind of Nate's move, right? I mean, he Nate is going to do what Nate wants to do. And when and if he comes back, it's going to be fire again. Generally speaking, a guy doesn't go out with that kind of a buzz in that kind of great shape with that kind of demand with these kind of paychecks coming in. They just generally don't do it like that. And Nate hasn't retired. So you tell me, what is the holdup with Nate? Are we waiting on an opponent? It could be anything he wants to do, including rematches with George Masvidal or Conor McGregor. And they, they, I mean, these are going to be, these are going to be a big deal. You could bring in some fresh blood. It's going to be a big deal. Now let's go to Nick. So Nick retired from the sport. He's done. Don't even call me. I don't want to do interviews. I'm out. Goodbye. Mm, then he came back. And all the while, he was in pretty good shape. Like, you'd see some videos of Nick pop up, or you'd see some workouts of Nick pop up. And I don't know that I've seen him doing and competing in the triathlons, but he still looked like the same Nick Diaz. He looked like he hadn't gained any weight. He looked like he still had his eye on the ball. He was showing up. He was training some guys. A.J. Agazarn was getting workouts with him, by example. He was there at Madison Square Garden supporting his brother, by example. But okay, he's done. He's retired. We'll take him at his word. He's done. And then all of a sudden, he's not. As a matter of fact, not only is he not retired, he's been in training. As a matter of fact, not only has he been training, he completed the full training cycle of 12 weeks. He takes his shirt off. This is on some video that goes on Instagram that he's ripped. He's so ripped, he's under 170 pounds. Don't forget the last time he fought was at 185 with Anderson. Don't forget that was at middleweight. He did all of his best work at 170. He now weighs 168. He's under his prime weight class. What are we to make of that? Is Nick all of a sudden a 155 pounder? Is Nick just in this greatest shape? And what are we going to do after this 12-week diet and exercise experiment that we've now been let in on? It's now revealed to us what are we going to do? I guess Nick's going to fight. That's what we're going to do. What else would this be about? But then he didn't fight. And then in the dialogue of him fighting isn't even out there. Is it a USADA issue? Is he not in the pool? Is he getting some paperwork done? Is he working on licensing? Is it, is it any of these things? And how come we never know? And I'll tell you, I've done my due diligence. You can ask Nick. I've called Nick 10 times. Between calls and text messages, I've 10 times 
to Nick. Of those 10, one or two, hey, I get back to you. Hey, in the middle of something, call you back. I never heard. I'll even go to Errol. Errol knows everything about everything. Errol's like, man, I, I haven't heard. I don't know. I talked to his manager today who informed me I haven't been his manager for about two years. I don't know. And it seems like these two guys that are such high demand that everybody loves are the only two guys that keep a secret in the whole sport. What's going on with that? They don't have an iPhone out in Stockton? The governor of California can't have dinner without getting caught and spread all over the news. Diaz boys can do whatever they want. Nobody knows. I'm asking you a sincere question. What's going on with the Diaz's? All right, guys. I've got to get to the weigh-in. Enjoy the fights and the pay-per-view and make sure you're back here on next Wednesday. Until then, remember who you are, what you stand for, and try not to let that get you down. I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Thanks for listening to Your Welcome with Chael Sonnen. Download new episodes every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Look out! Join me every week for the Michael Irvin Podcast. The Michael Irvin Podcast. The MIP. Now the MIP exists. The MIP. Okay, I got to make sure you got something to show. What? Where's Michael? He's holding out. Why do you mean he's holding out? <laughs> hey, it's the Playmaker. I ain't available right now. I said the Playmaker's not available for you. I will give you my Playmaker of the Week. Take the spotlight sometimes off of all these quarterbacks and put the spotlight on some of those guys that make the quarterbacks. T-I-R-E, put it together. T-I-R-E-D. I get tired. That's, That's love. That's my girl, but I love right there, What's man. What's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Download new episodes of the MIP, the Michael Irvin Podcast, every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify. That's the Michael Irvin Podcast. I am the playmaker, Michael Irvin. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.